So today we're talking to Joanna Sio. She is a stand-up comedian living in Olomouc in the Czech Republic. Um, she is Chinese, uh, grew up in China, Macau and Hong Kong, has lived in Singapore, Vancouver, Amsterdam and Melbourne. Uh, all cities where you would not expect a person to then go and live in Olomouc, a hundred thousand people city in the east of the Czech Republic. Uh, but here she is, and uh, she's a stand-up comedian, um, and uh, told me a lot about comedy, what in, uh, inspires her, and what's uh, what she would never make fun about. Um, what's the feedback? What's the reward? What her kids think about her comedy, and uh, yeah, a lot of lot of things in, in that field. And then we talked a lot about Hong Kong. It's a really interesting place, uh, being part of China, but still being a very capitalistic area with a very high concentration of billionaires and um, high income um, discrepancy or, how do you say, inequality, let's say. There's a lot of poor people, but also a lot of rich people. And, uh, yeah, not very kind of socialist, communist uh, when you when you look at it. So, see, we, we talked about these things and, and her journey and, and, and the comedy. It was very, very pleasant, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, the sponsors, that's Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, where you can find your next job, available in Czech, Slovak, English, and Russian. Jobs all over Czech Republic and Slovakia that you can apply with one click. And remember, you're 100% anonymous in Alfred, so you can be searching and applying for jobs without anybody else seeing that you're there. Uh, and then, yeah, the old bar. Um, Cypher Tova in Shishkov, available also for de- delivery to your home or your office on Vault and Bolt. Great stuff, amazing oatmeal, amazing skier, Icelandic recipe made in an organic farm outside of Prague. Um, you can't get this anywhere else in the in this country. And homemade goodies, uh, no nasty ingredients, everything is tasty yet healthy, nothing boring, great service, good coffee, and yeah, perfect place. Seifertova 21, the Oat Bar Prague. Check it out, guys. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning. See you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we are here on a nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, and uh, I don't know, is it winter already? No, no, not winter. But it's Be- cold. A little bit cold, not too cold. It can get much colder. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, yeah, the reason why I have you here is that uh, I saw you perform an online um, comedy show. I don't know, like almost a year ago probably or something like that and and I found you funny and then I was curious also because you're Chinese and uh, wanted to have you here to to talk about things Um, like, yeah, China, Hong Kong, comedy and how you ended up living in the Czech Republic. But for for me, you're just a... Well, just (laughs) for me, you're a comedian. (laughs) But you're more. What else are you? Well, I am an academic. Mm. So I was trained as a linguist and I work as a linguist mm. and I am a comedian and I'm also a mother. I've got two kids. Uh-huh. So uh, also and, a, and wife. a wife. Yes, <laughs> and a wife. So very busy. Uh-huh. And 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 you're here you were here in Prague now or you're here in Prague now because um for those yeah because a lot of my listeners are not from here. So Olomouc is like uh 100,000 people. Yeah, I I live in a 
Well, it's still a city, but it's uh, smaller than Prague. It's about two hours and a half by train from Prague. Mm -hmm. um, about 100,000 people. It's a university uh, town, so there's a university there. Uh -huh. And that's where I work. Yeah. Well. Mm -hmm. And you came here to do a comedy show, and that's why we, we had this chance to... Yeah, I, uh, I had a show uh, Friday night, mm -hmm. and uh, yesterday I taught a workshop. That's why right now we can meet on Sunday. And and how where was the show on on Friday? Was it in a club or or? Yeah, it's called um, it's called like a co-worker space. I think it's called Prachovna. Uh -huh. I think yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you where because I have no sense of direction. But <laughs> <laughs> the place is nice. The gig was great, <laughs> but I can't tell you where it is. Yeah, it was a lot of people there. Yeah, it was quite full and was very nice. The space and the the staff there. Um, was very, very, um, very helpful, very friendly. They mm. like it to have shows there. So the atmosphere was very good. Uh -huh. Because it's interesting that the, the stand-up scene here is growing very, uh, extremely fast, actually. I mean, it was, I don't know, I've been here in Prague 12 years and, uh, and it was invisible. I mean, it just didn't have this. Mm -hmm. But now, I don't know, you can go to three, four different shows per week. Yeah, and you performed here in Prague before, right? Yeah, I have performed here many times already. Mm. Uh, well, not the last two years or so because of COVID, but I mm. used to come here uh, quite often. But not just here, also like Vienna or go to Slovakia. So, because where I live, uh, it's a very small town. So mm. I organize uh, comedy shows once a month, and that's all I have. So I used to go away maybe two or three times a month just for one night or something to perform. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't happened for a long time. So I was very happy on Friday. I could come back and do a live gig. I was very, very happy. Yeah, I was also very happy because I've been chasing you for a year to to come and meet me. And, and now at least you had a reason to come other than just, just, <laughs> just for this. Um, well, yeah, so as I said, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Hong Kong and China and comedy and, 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 and how you ended up living here and, and um, um, so so you grew up in Hong Kong but your family is from China right hmm, uh, slightly more complicated than that um, my f my family was from China I was born in China but when I was two the whole family moved to Macau which was um, back then a Portuguese colony and then around when I was 12 and then we moved to Hong Kong. And I stayed there till after university. Mm. And then I went mm. somewhere again. But when I talk to you, you say that you're Chinese. Uh, yes. Uh, but I you're, so, so even you're, you, you like, but you're from Hong Kong. Or um, yeah, because I, I was in Hong Kong from 12 to like 22. So mm. the important years that when I was growing up, I was in Hong Kong. So, and also have a Hong Kong passport. So I, yeah. and so I'm Chinese. Mm. So I would tell you I'm from Hong Kong as well, even though I also spent 10 years in Macau. Yeah. And how, <clears throat> because I, I was thinking, do you say I'm Hong Kongian? Or is there a way to say that you're <laughs> from Hong Kong? I, I think you can say you're a Hong Konger. Uh, that, um, but I don't hear that very often. Uh, I also used to live in Singapore before I moved to uh, Czech. And in Singapore, uh, the Singaporeans like uh, call people from Hong Kong the honkies. Uh, 
Uh, honkies. Which, yeah, which I, I thought, I, um, it's quite endearing a term. I don't, I, I don't find it offensive. I, was not, I don't know whether I was supposed to be offensive, but I, I quite like it when they call me honky. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, both of those places, or actually all China, Macau and Hong Kong are interesting. I mean, Macau is, is like a, a casino and, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing. And it was Portuguese until just uh, 1999, 1999. Right? Yeah, 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 correct, yeah. Well, now you have a lot of casinos. Now it's um, a little bit difficult to travel there because you cannot even get a cab anymore unless you stand right outside a casino. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it was not like that when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was uh, with a lot of uh, nice uh, Portuguese architecture, but you also it was also a small village. Um, um, it was it was nice in my mind. Macau was not like Macau is now, mm -hmm. uh, but now it's really just uh, earning a lot of money. The city because there are a lot of casinos, but in my mind it was something very very different, a romantic uh, little town. Yeah, but and how were you say because it was a Portuguese colony? I mean, did, did people then speak Portuguese there or, or how? No, but um, there there were quite a lot of Portuguese there and also a lot of uh, Portuguese uh, who intermarry Chinese so they have a lot of mixed uh, kids and they are very localized, which you don't quite see in Hong Kong because Portug Portugal has a longer history in Macau so mm -hmm. you have a lot of Portuguese people who have lived there for a long time, they are just like locals uh, but at least when I was living in Hong Kong, uh, which was a British colony, but not for so long. So the British people were still more like expats. They yeah, were they really weren't local. as integrated or, or merged into the society somehow. Yeah, so um, two colonies, but um, the feeling was different. Uh, mm -hmm. But we we, uh, we we didn't have to learn Portuguese uh, when we studied in Macau. I have never learned Portuguese. You could. You could go to a Portuguese school, but you, you don't have to. So it mm -hmm. was not uh, compulsory. But like for street names um, and for official documents, of course, you will see Portuguese written as well. Uh -huh. But uh, I, I don't speak any Portuguese. I've lived there for a long time. Yeah. Um, but you say like the architecture is there and... and, and the yeah, I, I, the thing is I have never visited uh, uh, Portugal, which I really <laughs> should have. I, uh, but uh, you have architecture, which is very non-Chinese. You have those nice yellow color uh, buildings and uh, you have uh, churches and you, you, it feels um, like a European town. Uh -huh. uh, I would be able to see whether that's really Portuguese if I would have been to Portugal, but I, I still haven't been after being been in Europe for so long. Yeah, but the, and, and you, you told me that you were you're raised Catholic. I was not raised Catholic, but I went to a Catholic uh, primary school, which was just right next to a church. Uh, it's called St. Joseph College in uh -huh. Macau. And we would have to, uh, we had to pray every day, uh, many times a day, uh, beginning of school, before we had lunch, after we came back from lunch, and before we uh, left school. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a lot of praying. <laughs> yeah. Did you learn anything or were you just praying? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean learn anything? I, I, I remember the prayer yeah. uh, and we also have Bible study. We have like assemb assembly and we have to uh, sing hymns and lots of things. So we see the, the headmaster of the school uh, would be uh, a priest mm -hmm. um, and there, there were also a lot of nuns. <laughs> I yeah. think that's all I remember. And uh, it's very funny because in Macau, uh, 
we of course I was not religious and when you see people go to church they are normally very well dressed so in my head when I was small I always thought that it's church or going to church or practicing this kind of western religion is something that uh, the higher class people would do the mm -hmm. better people the rich, rich, yeah, yeah so you go to church like you educated you talk to them I remember in uh, in my primary school there was uh, a classmate, and uh, her parents would uh, go to church, and and they would know the headmaster of the school uh, because that uh, headmaster was a priest, um, and I always felt like oh they are the better people somehow mm -hmm. you have some kind of insecurity built in you because mm. you don't know what that world is and that world seemed to be some kind of western related world uh mm. you you have to, i don't know whether be, uh, whether everyone who grew up in a colonized place would have that or just because i studied in a school right next to a church uh, so mm -hmm. i don't know but but it, it, that's what that's an interesting thing though because i mean like um you know religion has never really been a, a prominent or big thing especially not ca catholic in in china for example so 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 this is Purely a Portuguese influence. Yeah, or just because I happened to study in a Catholic school, yeah. but that's what I in my mind. Like you need to be a better class of people who mm. who will go to church. And it was very funny when I met my husband because my husband is Czech, and he uh, is Catholic, and he said that during communist time here in the Czech Republic, it's really not a good idea <laughs> to no. be Catholic. Yeah, so he said people look down on him because his whole family uh, would be. Uh, uh, was Catholic, mm -hmm. and I was telling him in Macau, if you're a Catholic, it's like you're a better class of people. It's just yeah, very different. Uh, yeah, it's similar time. I think we are the same age. So I think when I went to the Catholic primary school was when she wa he was a little bit bullied in school because he was Catholic, mm -hmm. just in two different places but the same religion. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, as you said, you know, you're kind of the years that form you are are in Hong Kong. You know, mm. you go, you go there at twelve, and it, and and you mentioned this class difference that you felt from the religious people in 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 Macau. Yeah. Then, and if we look at Hong Kong, I mean, it's the third uh, largest community of billionaires of any city in the world. It's um, um, the Hong Kong dollar is the eighth most traded currency in the world. It's um, the, the, it has one of the highest income inequality. It has low taxes, free trade. It has like a capitalist stamp <laughs> on it all over. You know, it's like a, the neon sign for capitalism. <laughs> how 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 was that? I mean, well, and what did you guys do there? I mean, what, what was your family doing there? <laughs> my family. Um, my family... Well, my grandpa left China uh, earlier, I think uh, in... In the 70s, he left already, so he kind of managed to uh, get everyone uh, out of China and move to Macau and then Hong Kong. Um, you mentioned in Hong Kong there were a lot of rich people, um, but uh, even more people are the poor people, <laughs> or mm. just the not rich people. You don't have to be poor. Uh, so um, I, I, I don't know. You... you, <laughs> you the only thing that I feel that Hong Kong was very capitalist is that we always talk about money. It's something that is um, very strange. Like um, when I was in high school, when I was in university, and uh, near the end, people were thinking, so what kind of job should we apply? And a lot of my classmates uh, decided they're going to work in a bank because if you work in a bank, you would have a better interest rate for the mortgage. So they will have, they can get a house or an apartment much easier. 
And I have always thought that that is such a strange thing to, to carry think. your choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you can get a better mortgage rate. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe that. But uh, I feel my friends, uh, uh, classmates, would uh, went to work in a bank uh, because of that, and they're always thinking about. Like um, in university, they're always thinking about they are gonna like uh, get a house uh, and then have a family. Like that's the only thing they think about. Mm. I always thought it. I always thought that it sounds like a trap. Like yeah. you don't have any other plan. It's just that. Like because housing is so expensive in Hong Kong, it's like one of the most important thing. You're always thinking like, how am I supposed to get a house? And um, after I, I was. Uh, at a, my my bus, uh, a boyfriend at that point, and he was always thinking like also like uh, maybe finish university and then get married and then and then get an apartment. <laughs> Whenever he said that, I thought like this is so scary. Like yeah, I, but it's also kind of like a casino. You put all your chips on one goal. You just say house, family, and so on. And if that doesn't work out, you're a failure. Um. Yeah, I, I think in a Chinese society, if you are if you're older and you are not married, uh, you are you are you have chosen a path that's a little bit different from the other people. You could be considered a failure. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm, I don't think it's only in Hong Kong or no China, no no. Uh, it's a, I mean it's definitely here. For example, I mean I yeah, think yeah. that there is a lot of pressure of people to to follow a certain path, and if that's if that's what they preach to you all your childhood and teenage years and then and you maybe find out that either it doesn't work out for you it doesn't go as planned or it's not for you yeah I then just you feel like shit i failed well you you felt like you 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 wanted you wanted something different and mm. you knew that you are you you're not completely sure whether <laughs> whether you are right in the in the head to want yeah. something different exactly because back then in high school in uh, university it's still not like now right you basically very, you can talk to everyone in the world, basically, and maybe then you have a more balanced worldview, uh, which you can kind of plan. Like, what are the possibilities for your future? Back mm. then, you are just thinking, what are the people like? When I was primary school, I thought when I grow, I just want to be a secretary. I bought a typewriter. That's <laughs> I learned <laughs> how to type. <laughs> I went to a typing class when I was twelve, thinking that I need to type maybe like over like a hundred words a minute or something. I don't know the number, and then that would be my life. I'm gonna do this right because you you don't know what are the possibilities. My 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 parents um, didn't really go to school. I thought if I would be a secretary, I'm already doing much better. Like <laughs> I'll be mm. educated. Uh, it was a very serious thing about it now. <laughs> the typewriter, <laughs> don't want to use it anymore. But that's what I thought. Yeah, I I, I, I did a lot of typewriting um, because I yeah we're around the same age. So <laughs> I gr I grew up carrying to school this super heavy <laughs> typewriter to do practices. You know, it was horrible. Um, but. Um, I mean, Hong Kong, as you said, it was and an, like like Macau. It's a colony, or but it was a British colony, and for a shorter shorter time. Mm -hmm. um, how how was how was it to grow up there? I mean, what what kind of community was this? I mean, was there a lot of British in, or Western influence? Um, well, we have uh, we have bills and coins with the Queen's hat on it. That's mm -hmm. how uh, I remember. And the government uh, envelope would always say Her uh, Majesty or something. Like you, you, when you're small, you don't quite know. Um, and you also have a feeling 
because in colony, right? So British people or white people, you felt like they are of higher status somehow, uh, and um, the locals they are being colonized, so they have a, a lower, lower yeah. status. So, and there's also um, a little bit segregated uh, according to the district. So the white people, Westerners, they would live in um, <coughs> central, where the houses are more expensive, where not so crowded, everything is better. And on the other side of Hong Kong uh, would be, say, the local people. So in different districts, the prices for housing would be different. And uh, so uh, people who have more money would be on, say, on uh, Hong Kong Island in uh, Victorian Hub, Victoria Harbour. So more expensive uh, places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. what do people do there who are not rich? Like I know, <laughs> like you mentioned with your parents, they were not educated. Um, they just, uh, what do people do? Everyone has to go to work you now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, but what kind of jobs? Are they working then in companies? Are they factories or... or, or? Mm, my uh, my dad, oh, he has different jobs. He had uh, worked in a factory be- before to print uh, different cloth. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they sell it to people to make clothes. And uh, a lot of people who are not educated um, can also be, uh, um, what, do, what, what do you call it? Uh, they deliver stuff. So they uh-huh. will be sitting at the back of a truck. And then when uh, people like deliver... Logistics. Um, I don't know whether he's involved in any logistics. He just carried the heavy stuff from one place to another. So mm. that could also be something uh, that you do. Mm. Um, yeah, working in a factory, if you are not uh, educated, that would be the kind of job that you can do. Mm. Um, and how how are you guys? You know, like you 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 were you were quite a big family though. Yeah, uh, uh, my parents have five kids. Mm-hmm. So that um, is you're the, the oldest. Yes, I'm the oldest. Uh-huh. And and did that come with? I mean, were you like uh, responsible for your siblings, or how how was that? Uh, yeah. Also, uh, I remember um, even when I was very small, like whenever there is a form that needs to be filled in, so that would be my job. Mm. <laughs> I fill up a lot of forms. I remember when I went to why why because you <coughs> no one I, else could read uh, or write they or, can, or they, uh, yeah they they can write, but sometimes you have to write um, uh, the English letters. Uh-huh. Uh, so Chinese words, uh, Chinese characters are yeah, fine. Yeah, My yeah. parents can write it, but like then, well, they could also write the um, uh, alphabet. But then it's not. They they feel. Um, I think it happens a lot with immigrants. Um, also in the Czech Republic, the or anywhere in the world, if you are an immigrant, you are a little bit scared of the of the world outside. You don't really know how it is like. So if your kid is old enough to somehow. Um, uh, help you. Uh, so I study in Macau and study in Hong Kong, right? So my parents feel like I am part of the society. So I will know how to. Like when they have to deal with the outside, they would rather uh, get the kids to deal with the outside, and they try to hide as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I always had that feeling. So when I have something, I need to uh, figure out like summer job or something like how to go to an interview or some other more formal things, things that you need to. Um, deal with some formal entities, I would have to ask my friend's parents, for instance. I have a female friend and her mom also works and we if I have questions, I always ask her to ask her mom, like like what do you do? Like what are these things? Because mm-hmm. um, my parents wouldn't wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess also in, in your case you you learn English in already in Macau and then whereas your parents didn't get the chance. Uh, 
No, so, but <laughs> Chinese uh, uh, people, we are very, um, we are serious about our kids' uh, education. So I remember that one must be in like the last year of kindergarten. So, or first year of primary school, we have to learn a lot of English words. And uh, my mom looks at the books and then she she doesn't know how to say those words. And I can't remember all the pronunciation of words. So we have to uh, go ask our neighbor but we also don't want to bother him so much. So he'll only tell me once and I had to remember how to pronounce all this thing and then I would, uh, so so that I've learned it. Uh, we also have to, the Catholic school, it's like, oh, I don't know, it's must, I don't know whether it's a bit interesting. We have uniform. Mm-hmm. No, I was in Macau. So like uh, uniform and you have to tie a tie to go to school and no one knows how to do it. So we also <laughs> asked our neighbor, because uh, the neighbor's son also uh, went to school, so he will show me once and how to remember from then on how to tie a tie. And I still know it very, very well, because the time I tie every single day for a long time. So my husband doesn't know how to do it, and I'm always doing it for him, <laughs> <Yeah>. even now. <laughs> but um, but how, how then, you know, if you, if you say, like, your, your parents were not super educated, I guess you... you you didn't live in a Victorian British colony <laughs> colony house then. Uh, I mean, no, I live in a district called um, uh, Samtripol, which mm. is a very uh, old district uh, mm. with lots of market and stuff. It's one of the uh, poorer districts in Hong Kong, and we have a we have a small apartment, so we have to share um, uh, with the siblings and also grandma. So, oh, so you had your grandma there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, so grandma and grandpa and grandpa uh, passed away. Uh, and then, actually, grandma only uh, passed away just um, a few months ago. So uh-huh. we're very sorry, lucky. To sorry, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I have my grandma for, uh, for, for a long time. Long time yeah. <laughs> but wait, so you were nine people in, in a small apartment? Uh, nine and then, uh, and then eight after grandpa passed away. Yeah, so um, it's just very, very crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, How small? Um, we measure in square feet, so we have uh, one. Well, at some point, it's really too, too, too small. So we we bought the apartment next door, but both of them are still very small. So uh, it's like three hundred something square feet, like thirty meters square. Jesus. And we used to have a bunk uh, bed, so uh, on sleeping on top of each like. Yeah, but that's not so bad. So bad, but you also have a double bed, but you just feel people in. Uh, so sometimes <laughs> when I was small, I remember like uh, like I would sleep in one one direction, and my sister's head would on my feet. So you give <laughs> each other a little bit more privacy because your head are not next to each other. Uh, so that's also one way of doing it. Yeah. I thought it was very uh, normal when I was small. Yeah. That you, if you sleep next to each other, you want to give uh, each person a little bit more privacy. You like kind of so you have the legs towards the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not describing. I somehow couldn't. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and uh, but um, like yeah, privacy and and how is it to live in in such a crowded place? I mean, how does it affect you? Mm. <laughs> Nowadays, when I when I if I travel, I really don't like to share a room with anyone. Mm. <laughs> I really feel like now that I can have my space, I would like to have my space. Um, and before, I don't think I ever invited uh, friends to come to your house because, mm. like, uh, what can you do there? We um, there's no space. So normally, when we have we well, we don't have a uh, dining table, uh, which is not rare in Hong Kong. I think a lot of people wouldn't have any dining table. Uh, you have folding table, and when you eat, you uh, unfold the whole thing, and then you put uh, chairs on the side. Normally, it's stacking chairs because then you can stack mm-hmm. them. 
and then you eat. And while you open the, when you have opened the table, um, it's very hard to get to the bathroom anymore because there's only one path mm-hmm. to get there. So uh, either no one goes to the bathroom uh, during <laughs> uh, when you're eating, or someone had to stand up and move aside so you can cross. Um, if you have uh, like relatives to come visit, and then. It's a very funny sitting arrangement. I think at some point, some of us will eat first and then uh, some other people will eat later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just so that you can have enough space. Um, and that's why in Hong Kong, most people go out for food. Mm. It just like the the logistics is just so complicated. You Yeah, because everybody for. lives in a small yeah, yeah. space. You can visit them, they can visit you, but Chinese people really like to eat. Mm. Like what do you do? Like you just go out in that case. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, spend a lot of money on eating outside, but that's the only way you can kind of hang out. Yeah, but the family must have been really close then. I mean, like you, because it's not like you can run away from each other in, in within that space. I mean, I don't think the family is very close. Mm. You, I think when you have no space and everyone is in your face, you just get very annoyed mm-hmm. most of the time. Like you, just really, I like to read a lot when I was small. I still do because then I I can kind of um, block off. Yeah, I don't see anyone. Like I'm just there, uh, and I like it. And I also like when I went to school. I normally took the bus, and it took about an hour. And it's like the most enjoyable time uh, during my day because then I come down and then I read, and then and then I'll be in school. So, but that was very bad for the eyes. So, I have very bad eyesight. I, I have a minus nine <laughs> because the the book would keep moving on the bus, but then you have to kind of chase it. Uh-huh. I, I don't know whether that's why, but I have very bad eyesight, and um, and I read a lot on the bus uh-huh. when I was small. But so you were, but you were kind of the head of the family in some in in some way. I mean, and and and, but how? Are you responsible for your sibling? I mean, how does it work? I mean, oh, babysitting not the, or, or not, not the head of the family, but uh, I, I just have to do the stuff that mm. normally you expect. Maybe like the parents, the parents or, would do. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I have. Um, well, yeah, I remember there was one time, uh, you know, the teacher-parent conference thing. So oh. I have to, uh, I have to go instead of my mom. She just, she's very shy of all these activities. So if she can escape it, she would escape it. So I went to my little sister's one, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird because everyone was thinking whether I'm the mom, just yeah. had the baby very young, <laughs> <laughs> or, or <laughs> like it's the, uh, they're all looking at me. But yeah. like uh, that also happened, yes. Um, with Hong Kong, I mean, like um, the interesting thing about Hong Kong is is. The, as you s- it was a colony of England and then uh, or or the UK and then in in ninety seven it it um, it moves back to China mm-hmm. and and I, I picked up on what you were saying that your grandpa moved to Macau and then he managed to get the people out of China into Macau and then into Hong Kong. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to emigrate from uh, southern China. I think that a lot of uh, emigration. So some people went somewhere else. Some people went to Macau, Hong Kong. So a lot of people. Because um, there were more job opportunities. Uh, mm. Economically, uh, Hong Kong and Macau would be stronger back then, at least. So people would like to go to these places for, for work. And then the Chinese came, caught, oh. caught them in 97. 
No, 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 no. No, no. Um, what I mean is that you know, like you, you wanna, you wanna, uh, or or they were purely going for economic reasons. They, it was not like a yeah. political issue or no, anything. No, like I think that. it's mainly for economical reasons. Uh-huh. Um, so starting from the seventies, a lot of people from the south would go to Hong Kong because Hong Kong had a lot of factories uh, back then. I think in the beginning, people went to Hong Kong. They still thought that um, they would just go back. It's just really purely for purely for work, mm. but. Um, at some point uh, in Hong Kong, there will be more schools for locals, and the people started. When you have kids studying, then then they start to treat that place as home, and all the kids who were born there. So they, I think, only starting from the seventies or, or so, people have some kind of real Hong Kong uh, identities because they are the people who didn't think that they would just move back to China after work. They mm. actually were born there. They mm-hmm. are going to stay there. Mm. Was there a big difference when 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 China took over control of of Hong Kong in ninety seven? Did something change drastically, or no, not 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 overnight. Uh, like you, it's not like all of a sudden. Well, you have different coins, you have different flag, all these things, and um, uh, you start to have to learn Mandarin in school. So when I was growing up, uh, you don't have to learn Mandarin in school. You mm. can, but you don't have to. It's not compulsory. Uh, but now it is. It's part of the curriculum. Um, uh, you have a lot more uh, Chinese tourists coming. Um, so things change uh, slowly, but it's not in a. Uh, expect that it's not in a drastic way mm-hmm. that you will feel like oh things are very uh, very different now. But slowly, also in the language, because in Hong Kong you speak uh, Cantonese and the writing system is different. So the same character in mainland you have a simplified character. In Hong Kong you have the traditional character. So after ninety seven you see simplified characters appearing in more places. So slowly mm. there, there are changes, but nothing uh, very drastic that would uh, shock you or anything. Mm. At least not right after nineteen ninety seven. But I think a lot of people expected it to be drastic because uh, the before it happened, there was a, a huge emigration out of Hong Kong. Yeah, so a lot of people went to uh, Canada, states, mm. and UK. Maybe not so many coming uh, to Central Europe because the language mm. <laughs> is difficult. Mm. But yes, there's a. Uh, but afterward, also a lot of people went back to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people, or some people would be, we call them astronauts. So they they would be there, and then they will come back uh, for work while the kids and the wife would be somewhere together. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you also have a lot of people like that. Mm. But. Uh, like this, this changes the because it's it's such an interesting thing to have. Uh, I don't know. Hong Kong is like a country within the country, or or you know because it has some autonomy, but it's it's still under obviously economically and politically under an influence from from China and mm-hmm. uh, and like what what the world is being told is that China is a communist country, or you know that that's that's but. It, it's also a very fast-growing economy, and you know because the people are are you know wanting better lives, and the politicians are opening the country up to some extent, um, and then, but it's if 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 we are told that China is communist, then Hong Kong doesn't really fit in somehow. Uh, yeah, I think people are 
think well, well, in, in China, the in, in practice, it's also very capitalist since it opens up, right? So there mm. are a lot of new factories, a lot of new businesses. Um, but there, there, there are differences between the mainland people and the Hong Kong people because they have been separated for so long. Like language-wise, we uh, in Hong Kong you speak Cantonese, while uh, mainland most mm. people speak Mandarin. And even close to Hong Kong, in those places, they will speak Cantonese. It's still a little bit different mm. the type of Cantonese. So um, the way that we write a little bit different, simplified characters, traditional characters, and so. Uh, I think Hong Kong people have their own identity. They know that they are part of China, but they they feel like they are Hong Kong people. Yeah, because yeah. you see, you tell me you're Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 then, but you your main life is in Hong Kong, or you you say you're formative. Yes, and I'm just curious, like, because I think a lot of people thought or ha- or think that China will absorb Hong Kong somehow, and Hong Kong will stop being Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong would still be Hong Kong. It has uh, a history of being a colony, so it's very different from uh, China. But, um, well, Hong Kong used to be part of China before the Opium War. And Mm. then uh, England uh, took part of it and also leased uh, part of it. Mm. Now it has all returned uh, to China. So... Ethnically, I, I am Chinese, and also because I was born in China, uh, but I also feel like I'm a Hong Kong person. Maybe I have identity crisis, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I can be both. Mm. But uh, and then another thing what, what I was thinking is that like, in some way, China needs Hong Kong for access to markets because you know like Hong Kong is a financial powerhouse and export country and you know and Hong Kong needs China so so in some way China needs Hong Kong to stay Hong Kong and Hong Kong needs China to to kind of back them up I mean it's uh, I, I what I'm trying to say is that I think a lot of people thought that the capitalism would end or it would change completely in Hong Kong when China would no, I, I, I don't think it has changed uh, in terms of like uh, whether it's business as usual. Right mm. after the uh, handover, there was not uh, there were not a lot of changes. Um, but Hong Kong is also uh, China is also developing a lot of different main cities, right? Like people always complain uh, comparing like Shanghai and Hong Kong, which one is a better city to live in now? Mm. Though there are there are other other big cities as well that have more or less equal status. As Hong Kong, you just think about as a, a business hub, right? Mm-hmm. So there are other options if you're just thinking about business. But when I was in China, for example, like I, I, I told you earlier, I mean, I, I went on a trip where I visited China and North Korea in, 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 one, in one tour. And for me, um, China was more confusing than North Korea. I know this sounds really weird, but because I mean, in North Korea, just everything was banned, and they took your passport when you landed, and they, you just knew that you were being followed, you were being, the room was being bugged, everything was, and, but it, you knew it, so you just, you know, you approached it that way. But when I was in Beijing, um, I could, I could go to Starbucks, but not to Google. I could uh, not take photos everywhere because uh, some. Uh, un, uniformed person would tell me you're not allowed to take a photo here and I, and I had no idea why. And so I, and then, then I'm thinking, okay, so is that in Hong Kong, uh, 
like, are you more free in Hong Kong than you would be in Beijing or in another Chinese city? In from a like authority authoritarian point of view, or mm. well, I have not lived in Hong Kong for a long time. Now it's very different as well. Mm. Uh, before uh, before I left, uh, or they say five years ago when I was there, then it was more or less the same as before. So mm -hmm. the, uh, we can of course use Google. Like uh, it's not. It's different from mainland, so we yeah, have, but and that's yeah, is that gonna stay? Do you think this difference? Yeah, I um, I hope you would <laughs> if, if that's the answer mm. you're looking for. Like I, I hope you would, but uh, but I I don't know. Mm. It's, um, it's very hard to say yeah. at the moment. Mm. Mm. Um, but the the. <laughs> China is, is of course, um, it's yeah, it has transformed a lot. I mean, it's much more influential globally than maybe it was before, and it is both um, more powerful and more open than than maybe in in historically. I mean, of course, there have been Chinese empires, but um, what what seems to me, like looking from the outside, is that, that there's a very big difference of mindset. Of 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 Chinese than it is to Westerners, you know, like whereas we think in short term, we are thinking in months or years. Chinese are thinking in decades or hundreds of years. Is that just the political thinking, or is is that a? Do you think it's a cultural? Uh, yeah, I I I I don't know, like. Like in in terms of like regular people, whether mm. they also plan like mm. ten years, yeah, twenty yeah. years ahead, yeah, I uh, I think some actually do. Like uh, I told you about my classmate who the decided the, yeah, the mortgage. mortgage. Yeah. yeah, like if you think like that, you are really thinking uh, mm. long term, right? You are thinking like to till the end of your life mm. that you're gonna pay off your mortgage and how much you're gonna be paying every month. So I think some people do think like that. Mm. I'm I I don't know whether it's kind of like a national characteristics like uh, related to that we are just Chinese people think like that or just in Hong Kong because housing is so expensive that's why people think like that mm. uh, I would not know no but it but but it's just, just so interesting that you know like if you see how also China has grown its influence it's it's not through wars mm -hmm. it's not like a, it's not like a war nation you know about to say not yet yet <laughs> no but I mean so far, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, and 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 it's really, really interesting because if you compare those two superpowers, then if we call Americas and China those two superpowers, then the Americans go in with you know military and and force, and then they're really surprised that everybody wants to hate them, you know. Um, and then it then you look at how china does it it's more through investment it's through influence and uh, securing i mean like now for example there's something that is close to me because i'm from iceland I, I i hear a lot about chinese wanting influence in greenland because they're thinking okay this ice is going to melt mm -hmm. so there will be minerals mm -hmm. um and and it, it it's yeah it's just a very interesting the difference of approach so i was just curious if this is like um I don't know if it's some of the national national identity or or the DNA of the nation. You mean you to think long term, long term and using money and influence like that? Yeah, then I would think so. Like um, I think Chinese people think of money in a 
slightly it's like a, it's a very important thing, right? So mm. in Chinese culture, when when we say um, Chinese New Year, uh, we will always wish each other just earn a lot of money. Like this is, uh, and when we when we want to pay compliment to someone, like if you have a very uh, nice watch, a new watch, I I I saw that I will say, well, very nice. The second question, I, the second thing I would say would be like, how much, as a way of giving you compliment, like uh, either it would be expensive, then I would just compliment you like for having so much money, or you bought it cheap but very nice, I would compliment you for like saving a lot of money. Like we're always thinking in terms of money, uh, which is a very weird things which I discovered when I went to Canada to study. I had many other friends. So when my friend compliment me or like maybe a shirt or pants that I just bought and I would just tell them how much it costs as if that that is relevant. Uh, but we do that all the time. It was very, very normal for us to do this. We mm -hmm. always tell you how much it costs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is the, the money, money part. I think we have special relationship with it. We are completely obsessed. Which is really interesting because if you think about communism, communism is not about money. Like you, you know, or socialism is the idea. There is is that money is not, but people seem to be. I mean, obviously we are all human, so we and we know that money can buy better things or better life or better houses or lower better mortgages or whatever. So we we actually want money in the end, but um, um, and also another thing that I was curious about this is the is like the the willingness of people to work. I mean... To work? Yeah, our people are ha very hardworking in China, right? I mean, like... Um, they are very hardworking, meaning they, they, they like to work or they have to work? Well, I ask you, do they? <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, well, if you like your job, you like to work, but uh, in a lot of cases, uh, at least in Hong Kong, I think you just have to work. Mm. Uh, Hong Kong people work a lot. Like uh, you still work after dinner. Like uh, you, and you also definitely work in the weekends. You just work all the time. Um, a lot of people have like chronic pain on the neck and have headache. Look, I, I am um, when I finished my thesis um, in Holland. I studied in Holland, and then I have a neck pain because in front of a computer for so long. So the I the typewriter skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not very good. So I uh, so I went back to Hong Kong. I have like a chronic pain on the on the neck. So I I went to uh, a place to get a like special pillow for it. And then the lady was telling me. Oh, you have neck pain. Do you have a chronic headache like all the time? I said, not yet. He said, oh, then that's nothing. A lot of people have headache all the time like because of the pain on the neck. I said, uh -huh. like, this is like a general thing that people have. Uh, I, I didn't know. And that's, that sounds awful mm. that uh, people are just working so much. So it all ties back to the fact that the, um, the living cost is very high, not because of food, but because of housing. Mm -hmm. You have to spend a lot of money uh half of your income would go into either rent or mortgage mm. then uh, then then you have to work how can you not work mm. i think in the old days when you have fields maybe when you are farmers or you have land then you you have a you don't have to worry because you always have something to fall back on i think for cities or now that places are more developed if you have no food then you have no food you mm. don't have the forest that you can just Go like pick berries or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you you have you have lost that option long time ago. Mm. That people will have to work, and we also have no not really pension plan in Hong Kong. We 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 have one um, 
The family yeah. is the pension, or the kids are supposed to take care of yeah, you. Yeah, your 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 kids are supposed to take care of you. Uh, like now, I'm here. Uh, like uh, it doesn't happen all the time that your kids will end up taking care of you, right? So my mm. parents live in Hong Kong. I live here. Like we, then the last two years, I couldn't even go back to Hong Kong to see them. Mm. Uh, where does the taking care come uh, come into play? It just sometimes it, it can happen. Mm. But they have four plan Bs, you know, like if you fail, then there are four <laughs> other siblings too. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, so you mentioned that you went to Holland, you went to Canada. I mean, you've been, you've been to a lot of places, right? Yeah, I also wanted to be somewhere else other than in Hong Kong. So Why, I, uh, why did you want to be somewhere else? Because of this closeness? Um, it's very, um, it could be. I just always wanted to leave. Maybe I always never felt like there's enough freedom for me. And I don't know whether it's also related to be the eldest. I also feel like I I never can do anything at home. I feel like I never can concentrate to do my own thing at home because there's always someone who needs something. Like uh, the siblings, when we was more in high school, the siblings would always be like maybe crying, maybe fighting, and my dad would be watching TV and it's really loud, and my mom would be yelling at my sister, and the whole time you're at home, it's just all this chaos, and it's ne- it never ends, and you would like to go somewhere you don't have to be um, angry or calculating all the time. You can mm. just be the nice person that you have always wanted somehow imagine yourself to be without being uh, bugged or have to always fight for what you want. So I have I, I want that feeling maybe. Mm. So I just wanted to go so you can reinvent yourself. And where did you go? I went to Canada to study mm. and then I, I went to Holland. I was uh-huh. so shocked was Canada. Like everyone was so happy. Like I was in Vancouver. Like people always at the beach and they're like they're drinking coffee. Like they're always happy and polite. I'm thinking, why are they in such good mood? Like in Hong Kong, people are in very bad mood. Like they are, they are like uh, people are pushing each other on the train. Like trying to get a bit more space. Uh, like now maybe it's better. I think there's a bit more solidarity nowadays. But before, I just like people are always angry. Every trying to get your stuff. Uh, mm. But there, like, why is everyone happy? Why are these white people so happy? Like <laughs> <laughs> having coffee like for a few hours. Like why are they so happy? Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, it. Uh, this is some years ago. I know. I mean, but I, I actually maybe it's just the perception that we get from the media. But I actually feel that in those countries we have started to create problems. We we kind of lost sight on how good our life is, you know. So so now we are fighting about pronouns or something like this. That it. it I mean, obviously for the person who wants to change their pronouns, it's fine. But it doesn't have to become something that we fight over you know and because i i I agree with you i see you know i I moved from iceland to copenhagen and i felt the same i went from i don't know like uh, iceland is a country where there's a really like a race for money you know like in a house and two cars and this and that and you you're supposed to follow a path i mean it's obviously a small community so it has a lot of social pressure but um and then in denmark i came there and I got friends that that had chosen different lives. You know, they were single parents, or they were gay, or whatever. You know, that they, they they just they went a different route, um, and they were happy, and they were like you saying, they were drinking coffee and laughing. <laughs> and I was like, what's wrong with these people? Why are they being like this? You know. But now I feel like maybe not in Denmark because they somehow have managed to protect this happiness. But I feel like a lot of 
those Western communities are very busy fighting about something that actually is fine. Mm. And how is that in if you compare in China, are, are people in China super worried about pronouns or trans people or, or something? You know, you know what I mean. I am. Um, okay, gay rights. China is very big, so I can uh, so talk for big. the whole country. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to speak for the whole country, uh, and I, I I can only. Uh, I think we, I I would imagine people are less um, worried about these things. Uh, I think you're asking me whether like people have a very tough life, they're working too much. Doesn't mean that like they don't have so much time to worry about this thing. While your life is so good here, so you have time to worry about those things. I think to a certain extent that would be correct. Mm. <laughs> I think when you're cold and you're starving, you're not going to worry about something else. It's mm. not not to the extreme, but if you have to work from like seven to seven, like many things that you can just not worry about them for mm. a little bit. I mm. think that I would agree. Mm. And then you 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 go to so you're in Canada you're in Holland mm. so we can and then you went to Singapore, Singapore right Singapore yeah so we're talking Hong Kong mm. Vancouver uh, yeah so it's Vancouver yeah Amsterdam Amst- uh, uh, I live in Amsterdam yes Amsterdam correct. Singapore Singapore yeah and then Olomouc Olomouc yes which is lo- like not a city that you expect on this list uh, yes it was a <laughs> it was a jump yes and what, and what brought you there. Uh, my husband. Ah. <laughs> no, like we, we were we met in Holland, but then um, he we were in Singapore for seven years, and I think uh, he felt like he had stayed there long enough, so he wanted to leave. So, well, we could have moved to Prague, but he thinks Prague is a bit too big for him. Mm. <laughs> he used to live in Singapore. I don't know why it's Prague is too big for him in Hong Kong, uh, but he he thinks it's too big. Big, so he thought we will now live in a very uh, smaller place so we moved to Olomouc mm. and how was that for you was that a, was that a culture shock it's um it's, it's quite it's, uh, it's a little bit of that but I before like before we moved to a small town I we had a discussion before I haven't had that with my husband I told him that oh in Hong Kong like you have so many choices on a Friday evening you can choose to do this or do that like so many different things that you can do and he grew up in a village with 300 people so in the evening he has one pub in the Czech village or he could go play soccer something in the field and he was like but what does choice mean like you have so many choices but you can only pick one thing anyway why does it matter <laughs> and I always thought that that is just silly like it's good to have choices but now I live in a smaller town, so I might have, like, um, in the evening, I might either go to one pub or maybe, I don't know, one restaurant. There are not many choices, but that's actually fine. It saves mm. you so much time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to think about it. So that's okay, uh, I think. Yeah, but actually it's an interesting point because I think that's one of the problems we have is that we have too many choices, you know, like we have 10 different TV services to watch from and, and episodes and shows and then, you know, we have cinema, we have restaurants, we have bars. I mean, it's just, and like we mentioned in the beginning, you know, five comedy shows a week. I mean, it, it's just, it's really overwhelming for some people and it is very easy to feel that you're missing out. 
Yeah, I think the feeling that you you are missing out is very uh, stressful because you mm. feel like you might not have made the best choice. Yeah. And then it's very stressful. For my husband, he thinks that if you only have two or three choices, then it just like... The yeah. probability of having them getting them wrong <laughs> is very low. Yeah, and that like he lives happily like yeah. this. So uh. like if you want to go to the supermarket, that would be the only one. <laughs> then you just go there. There's only one shopping mall, then you go to that one. And mm. he thinks it's fine. If you don't get it, then you just get something else. Mm. We don't need so much. That's what he thinks. I think he has a point. Yeah. yeah. But do you you want more choices or or I mean you feel Actually I I think human beings are just very quickly. So now I feel like it's okay to live in a small town. I don't know whether my mind is playing, playing tricks on me mm. or I really feel like that's okay. Mm. So, um, but I do enjoy that I would walk past the town and I would bump into several people that I already know and I can say hi to and I find it quite uh, uh, it's, it's happiness yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. yeah I'm also getting older in my 20s I would be like oh no 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 I need to go to a big town because I need to meet a lot of people so that maybe I can meet some potential mm. <laughs> husband mm. in the future right mm. now I I'm already married, so I, I, I feel like oh, I am just keep even keeping the friends I have now is very difficult. So mm. I don't think I have enough time. Mm. That's interesting. Um, but the, is that was it an much that you started the comedy kind of, or 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 you started doing comedy already earlier, or or? <laughs> I started comedy long, long time ago. I started to do it when I was in Amsterdam. I started uh-huh. doing improvisation, uh, and that's because I wanted to meet people. I don't yeah. in my twenties. I just felt like I need to like uh, broaden my social circles. I have always had that feeling that I need to meet people. So I went to do improv, uh, and then I went back to Hong Kong and then started doing stand up there, um, and then continued to do it when I was in Singapore. Uh-huh. So it had been a while, maybe ten years. I'll come with a, a like a ra- ra- racial stereotype question here. So mm-hmm. when you say that you always felt the need to go out there. For me, that's not very Chinese. No, I have always been a little bit weird. Uh, also, in w- weird just mean, means that it's different from other people. Like in uh, uh, high school, I mm. always felt that I'm, I need something that is different from them. What they need is not what I need. I always feel like... You weren't looking for that perfect mortgage. Uh, no, I was not looking for the perfect mortgage. But I still don't quite know uh, what I want. And also feel like... The, the way I was, I was not very happy. Many things are wrong, I feel like. I need to kind of break it down and re, uh, restructure myself a little bit. So mm. I have gotten the opportunity by being somewhere else that no one knows me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that gives freedom. Then you can kind of reinvent yourself, as you, I think you mentioned yeah, that before. Yeah, I, I think many people uh, have that. Like, if you have your family, your siblings, your parents, your friends, they all have a certain expectation of you mm. and somehow... Um, you feel like you're being trapped by that expectation. If it's a good expectation or bad expectation, it doesn't matter whether they think you are good in this or whether you're bad in this thing. I just don't want any of that. No, I want I, to have none of this. I can totally connect to this. I, I When I came here to, to Prague, um, b- before that, both in Iceland and in Denmark, I had been quite visible in the media and I had jobs that, that required me to be very visible. And And eventually what happened is that my whole identity became that somehow. Like I had to be in a certain way to be in that role and, 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 and I was very defined by this somehow. And then I come here, still involved in business, but as a complete 
nobody somehow, you know, and nobody knew me and most people didn't even understand what I was saying because they didn't speak English. So, and it was such a liberating thing, you know. It's so, yeah, it just gives you a chance to explore yourself in a different way. Yeah, well, you, of course, you could also have done it uh, back home when people have expectation of you. You can just kind of... Um, Ignore those expectations, but it's very hard when those people have known you mm. for so long. These mm. are people close to you. They thought that you are in a certain way. Uh, so I think it's much easier mm. to go away to do that. Mm. <laughs> and and I have uh, enjoyed it, the, the mm. freedom that has allowed me. Yeah. Um, so comedy, you did comedy in, in Holland, in Singapore, and Hong Kong, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously here... Do you remember your first show where you like where you went on stage and did something that was supposed to be at least funny? Uh, yeah, um, for in- the first show, uh, I w- I w- that would be like an improvisation uh, in in Holland. Uh, uh, but there was a must be a group show, so you don't have to contribute so much, and there are a lot of people who are more experienced and much better. So. Um, you that can was, blend in somehow. Yeah, yeah, so that was fine. I think uh, stand-up, uh, the first stand-up show w- was hard because you have to stand up in front of everyone and uh, English is not your first uh, language. Uh, and and you have to remember the whole thing, try to be funny and all this thing and just you. And I think that's, um, that's difficult. Mm. Um, but that's also very empowering, I think. Yeah. I think I enjoy, I enjoy this kind of little torture. I think it um, it makes you you're ha- pushing yourself or, or yeah. out of the comfort zone. Uh, yeah, I, I think when you have something unpleasant, I I quite crave that feeling, uh, so that you can be a little bit challenged. I mm. I, I like that. Yeah. But uh, wh- were you? How was the feedback when you when you did your first stand-up where you were alone and, and it was just you? I mean, how how did people? Um, respond for people who understood what I was saying was fine I think (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that was okay like stand up is something that it takes a long time to uh, takes a long time to develop so Mm. I think um, for the first few years that wouldn't be very good and maybe then it get better it's a bit better now But but uh, and and you said you know you you like the let's say the torture of it mm-hmm. um, to to kind of push yourself to in a position or put yourself in a mindset where it's it's difficult. But what's the reward then? Is is or do you know what, what do you take the reward from? It's um it's very liberating to do uh, to do stand up. I think when because it's just you and and it's nothing. It's just you speaking. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, it's an excellent kind of verbal art. You only have yourself, your unique thinking, uh, and the way that you phrase it, and people enjoy it. The laughter is the reward. It, um, mm. it's, it's very high when people <laughs> laugh mm-hmm. and you're on stage. And you get I, adrenaline rush. or, or Yeah, I think it, you get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just teaching a workshop yesterday, and then I was thinking, like, the when you see a microphone stand, once you grab the microphone, it's like you have changed into a different person. Mm-hmm. You, it also happened like in the in the 
at work. So if I've been talking to my colleague uh, just about regular thing, I would just have my regular face. But if all of a sudden I want to tell them a funny story, I turn into my comic mode and then I become like uh, really like a different person or something. I I, I really enjoy that. It mm-hmm. makes me uh, very happy. <laughs> but it's funny that you say this because uh, uh, now I'll just a little self reflection here because I, I met a friend the other day and, and she she has been listening to my podcast obviously everybody listens to this podcast but she had um, she told me that since you started doing this podcast then when I meet you I feel like I'm on your podcast you're asking me different questions or you're mm-hmm. having a different conversation yeah. with me and, and and you're kind of saying that you yeah you I go into that mode yeah. and I actually enjoy being there so I have like extreme more. I'm either like extremely introvert. I don't want to talk to anyone. Like socializing uh, stresses me. If I socialize for a little bit, I need to be alone a little bit. Mm. Otherwise, I, I just get too stressed. But I really enjoy also standing in front of everyone and perform. Mm. I like that's too extreme that I, I really like. I, I do not know, but I don't think I need to explain why. Mm. It's just mm. the way mm. I am. Mm. Um, but do you... How how is where do you get your? I mean, you obviously you write your own material. Is that easy? Oh, it's not. I normally like to talk about uh, my kids or my husband or marriage things that I is important to me or things that I I know. Mm. Uh, then I write about it. It's not. It's not. I I I think it's hard to find material. Mm. Yeah. But do you use like? I mean, do you, do you make fun of Chinese or being Chinese? I mean, or or your. Because I mean, like you're in Olomouc, it's hundred thousand people, and you're from China. Do, is this an inspiration somehow to these kind of cultural clashes or something like that, or or how how is this? Yeah, I think people uh, in I think Czech people are very curious. Mm. Uh, they um, they like to know about other nations, how how they live and how their lives are. So these are really good topic to talk about mm. in small town. And also like uh, because I do a comedy show in uh, Olomouc and Olomouc only have about 100,000 people. So I actually met a lot of people I've seen in the shows. <laughs> so that's actually quite nice for me. So you can actually, there are people in the audience that are yeah, part of or inspiring some of the, your material. Uh, oh yeah, of course they are. But then I also see them quite often on the street. It's like uh-huh. all of a sudden I I know a lot more people than my husband, for instance. Even though uh-huh. he speaks Czech and he's from like around there, I know everyone almost. Like not everyone, but I know a lot of people uh-huh. there because I I do this. Yeah, but um, so you so you're talking. I I don't remember exactly what you talked about when I saw you, but uh, I think you were making fun of your husband somehow, or or, or the differences between you and 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 him. But is it is it um, like I don't know? Is there a is there a Chinese humor? Is is there <laughs> some like? Do you know what I mean? Do you um, I Chinese humor like what Chinese people like to laugh at? Mm. Mm. I well, the thing is, stand up is not an art form that had a long history in China. Mm. So Hong Kong has the first uh, comedy club, but only started in two thousand eight. But that's also very uh, yeah. But that's also very um, similar uh, in other places in Singapore or Malaysia. All these places started a comedy only around two thousand eight or so, like around mm-hmm. that time. So a little bit more than ten years. It's not a long time. And this art form, right, uh, stand up. Uh, so when it was brought to these places, it was in English. Of course, nowadays people will be doing that in their local languages. So in Hong Kong, you have Cantonese stand-up as well. But uh, 
in English stand-up, you can see a lot of examples, right? There's so many stand-up comics uh, doing it in English in other places. But for Cantonese stand-up, you have no one. No reference. Yeah, you don't really know how it is supposed to be done. So uh, in a way, it's very new. Um, so sometimes people don't really understand the format as well, whether they are supposed to talk back, whether they are not. Like All these things are still very, very new. Why is that? Why why did it come so late? I mean, especially like if you take Hong Kong and Singapore, which are very kind of influenced by a lot of expats and yeah. So uh, uh, look, before that, there were also like uh, maybe some event organizers would uh, brought act from elsewhere to go to these places, but it never has like a local support. Uh-huh. In order to build the scene, I think you need the local people to participate. Otherwise, it's just people watching. You don't mm-hmm. have the local people participating. Then it's not fun because you want people to talk about local topics that local people will learn, want to listen to. Mm-hmm. That's why the stand-up in Hong Kong is a little bit different from Singapore. Hong Kong people mainly speak Cantonese, so the people who go to comedy shows, are English comedy shows, they are expats. So because the group is kind of... Uh, well, there are a lot of experts, but then they are very similar in background, so the topic will be kind of restricted, yeah. I think. But when in Singapore, when the locals also speak English and you have English comedy shows, you have many people from different walks of life coming, and mm-hmm. that's a lot more exciting, and the scene developed much faster. Yeah. But how... Uh, yeah, it makes sense now when you say it, because, you know, like, I mean, comedy is kind of invented in the English language, and, and, and therefore... Yeah, has maybe not been adopted in the same way as an art form or an expression. But mm, if 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 someone is doing a stand-up in China, do you do you feel that there are there some topics that are com- completely off limits there? You know, like would you never make fun of a dog, or would you never, I don't know, talk badly about your husband if you're a female comedian or something? You know. Mm. I think uh, probably sexual topics don't go very well mm-hmm. uh, in uh, mainland China. Uh, I would think that even in uh, Hong Kong, I think if you're doing Cantonese stand-up, because the language is very tied to the taboo in the sense that I I can even not swear in Cantonese. I just find it very difficult. I can swear in English, which I don't feel so connected, but I cannot swear in Cantonese. because all my all my upbringing tell me that it's very bad to swear, so I cannot swear in my mother tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure there are things I just feel like I can't say in Cantonese. So uh, so that would be one thing. Um, and I think uh, people, depending on the regime or the country, sometimes political issues can be sensitive. Maybe there would not be any explicit guidelines saying that you can't say such things. But people tend to self-censor, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. when you don't have very clear guidelines because then you have no idea what you can do and what you cannot do. So you would try not to do maybe even more things just yeah, it's in like case. Me yeah. in, like me in Beijing, I just stopped taking photos because I wasn't sure where I could take photos and where not. Yeah, but that is basically a way to exert power mm. because you are not sure what can be done. If the rules are not clear, you can keep more power in that case. Mm. So because how I know what can be done, so let's not do mm. anything. So... Sometimes these ambiguities or things are not being made clear can still uh, control or affect your behavior. Mm-hmm. So not just because there are rules. When there are no rules, then... Um, yeah, yeah it's if the area is gray, then, yeah. then you don't really know what's right and wrong. Um, but uh, uh, what about like... Um, um, I don't know, like these racial stereotypes because, you mm-hmm. know, we we have this and it's always been a very big part of of um, 
of comedy somehow to play on this because I mean we have all these huge cultural differences between ethnic ethnic groups and 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 uh, and, it, and and it's it's a great source for material but obviously I feel now that at least in 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 here I mean not so much maybe here in Prague but I feel it like in in, in the U.S. what I see and also what I'm seeing in Iceland, it's, that is becoming a very difficult area somehow to use in comedy. I mean, you because it, you're called a racist if you make fun of a Chinese person or, 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 or whatever. If you as a Chinese person in China would make fun of me as a white Icelandic person, would Chinese people consider you racist? I think they would still laugh uh, if that's the case. Uh, mm. I think it depends on the place. Um, like in, in uh, so, take Singapore as an example. In mm. Singapore, you have many uh, different races uh, living together in one country. So you have the Malay, you have the Indians, you have the Chinese, you have the uh, Caucasians uh, from many different countries. And um, there are jokes. A lot of jokes in Singapore that comics make would be related to racial stereotypes. And when you have visiting comics from the states or UK coming over, they always thought that how can you guys say this? How can you say such thing about the um, mm. uh, Malay people or the Indian people? Uh, but it's very common uh, in Singapore to do that. Um, so I think depending on the places, the rules are a little bit different uh, whether you can do it uh, or not. Um, and of course, it depends on who you are, right? I think I will be happy making fun of uh, Chinese people being Chinese, but if I want to make fun of uh, Vietnamese or Thai, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like I, I feel like why I, I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're so different uh, as to who you are and who you make fun of. So maybe a, a, a visiting comedian in in Singapore would not be able to say the same jokes as a local comedian. Um. I think the audience, because in Singapore they're used to it, uh, then mm-hmm. maybe. But then I think it's a little bit dangerous. So if I, I'm uh, even in Singapore, I'm Chinese. I would find making fun of Malay people maybe uh, more risky than making fun of Chinese people. Making fun of Chinese people, I would think there's no problem. I'm Chinese. I'm making fun of Chinese people. But mm-hmm. if I make fun of other nations, I would feel a little bit. Would that be okay or would not be okay? So and the risky, when you say risky, that would be the response from the audience there in the spot. Or yeah, or some people. You know, sometimes it's funny and then all of a sudden it becomes offensive. So mm. uh, it's not always clear where the line is. And the audience composition is always different, right? You don't know who, what kind of people in the audience. So um, it's hard to tell. Has it happened to you? Have you, have you ever had a, an audience where you, you started getting some negative feedback or anything? Has that? Yeah, I have. Um, uh, I would just start doing it for, not for a long time. I was uh, pregnant with my first kid. I was maybe five, six months pregnant. Was quite pregnant back then. Was doing in, comedy. Yeah, yeah, doing <laughs> yeah, doing comedy. I thought that might be fun. So, uh, but then uh, I was like, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's the it's a you don't have to move a lot. You just yeah, stand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite quite okay. Um, and um, the in the audience there were a few. Uh, French teachers, it was in Hong Kong, and I was pregnant, and I was thinking about, I should make some jokes about kids, so, because when I was growing up, like, physical punishment was perfectly okay, so I was making jokes about, like, how I'm going to physically punish my kid if they're naughty, and uh, I think the French teachers were very, very um, upset by uh, the jokes, Uh, so they decided to not just not laugh, but stare at me in a very angry way, and uh, their silence somehow spread over the whole room. So, um, 
So I, I, I have never felt so bad. I, afterward, I decided that maybe I should wait till the baby was born because I think it's too much stress for a pregnant woman <laughs> to have all this hate coming towards you from their eyes. Uh, so, so it happened. Um, and I think it's also because it, like, if I would not be pregnant, I talk about physical punishment, it's easier for them to detach myself from the baby. But because I'm pregnant, they feel like I'm going to do harm to the baby uh, or something. Uh-huh. Uh, um so yeah, so I uh, I have learned it. Like I was not really into physical punishment. I'm not gonna abuse my kids anything. I just trying to think like what would be the, like uh, hypothetically, what are the things that can be funny to say? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I I haven't done that kind of thing again. Uh, just thought can be dangerous. But that's the like I, I had comedians here actually, and these these are people that that's this is kind of how I found you. I had this uh, Italian guy Carmine Rotti, mm. and then I had mm. Sean. Riordan here on my previous episodes. So guys that are listening, check those guys out. Both very great. But I think it was Carmina that told me that what you actually do in a com or can't do in a comedy is that you by making let's say that if you're fat mm-hmm. as a comedian, or maybe it's wrong to say fat, let's call it big to be polit- politically correct. <laughs> okay. If you're fat as a comedian <laughs> and you and you make fun of on of that, or you're bold and you mm-hmm. make fun of that. Then you kind of took away from the audience the the chance to be angry at you because you kind of disarmed them somehow by by showing that that you're making fun of yourself. I mean, and there you stand pregnant, <laughs> making fun of this, and and it actually backfired on you oh, really but, badly. But I, I'm pregnant. I'm making fun of the baby inside, yeah, so maybe yeah. maybe we can make fun of the baby. I, I I yeah. I think I think for the local people, if you go me local Chinese people, I think that would have been okay because. Mm. Uh, we understand the the background we share. Um, we were very similar. We we know that like Chinese parents <laughs> would beat up their kids, like yeah. physical punishment. Yeah. Uh, but I think for people from other places, maybe it's more offensive. I still don't understand why they got so angry looking at me. <laughs> but talking about that physical punishment, I mm. mean that that is that is a very I mean that, that's a very normal thing in 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 China that that parents uh, have yeah. this authority over their children, right? Yeah, my 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 mom uh, beat us all the time. Mm. I I didn't like it, but I didn't think that was abnormal. Mm. Like it was not something that I would feel like I might have to call the police. Like nothing never occurred to me. Mm. That but what kind of beating is that? Is that it's like with a shoe or something, or on the on the or like? Uh, uh, not normally, <laughs> whatever. Or you get slapped if you said something wrong. Or? No, no, not slapping. Normally they will inclu- uh, involve <laughs> an instrument. So either like hangers are very handy. Uh-huh. Uh, we have the metal hangers, so normally it's uh, very handy to uh, hit you. Uh, sometimes my, my mom would hit us with chopsticks, which is very painful when you hit, chop- uh-huh. uh, hit your, your knuckles. So that also uh, happened. Uh, slapping, not really. I think slapping becomes very... Uh, Personal or something. That slapping is an emotional act. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but hitting you with the hanger is like you're naughty. Like this is, yeah. It's not. Uh, even though it can be more painful, it's not as um, damaging. I think actually, I've never heard for, about for for the me- mentally or, or or mentally. Yeah, if you you she slapped me, I feel like something is really wrong that mm-hmm. has affected our relationship. But you should hit me with a hanger. She's just telling you you you, you have to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it's not the pain level that is uh, causing the difference, but maybe where you hit. I know my mom has not. Um, so it's not slapped. like an organized punishment that you you know now we're sitting down and you're gonna get ten slaps on your fingers with the chopstick. It's more like you were doing something naughty and then she um, strikes you out of the blue. 
not 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 you would uh, definitely like fighting with your sister yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But but sometimes also because I create work for her could also be like if I if I'm holding my bowl like if I spill something or I drop something break mm. something that mm. is um, making it uh, complicated because my mom was very busy you know so many kids and uh, she will also hit you mm. so uh, it depends also like sometimes you don't know whether you'll get hit or not mm. and um, <laughs> that's also what my husband said like sometimes you uh, you can uh, yell at your kid but sometimes you also don't yell at them but maybe for the same, same thing so they can never guess <laughs> what's gonna yeah, happen yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so sometimes it's like that mm. you you thought you're gonna get beaten up but then you didn't mm. and um, <laughs> you're always guessing um <clears throat> Is it difficult to be a, a woman in, in comedy? I mean, to, to, can you say all the same things like a guy or...? or hmm, same thing. I, um, I, there was one time I, I did a show and then uh, in the, my set I talked talk about the vagina mm. and then uh, I thought it was fine. And uh, after doing the break, uh, one female audience member was telling... Another comic said, "Oh, I, I don't like it. Why why are these female comics always talking about a vagina?" Uh, and I was like, "But male comics talk about dicks all the time. What? Mm. Why would that be a problem?" And and at that point, I I, I normally don't talk about it. it. Just happened to have that joke, so I I present it. So it's what not even true that I always talked about it. Then I thought that's that's unfair. Like, why mm. would you do that? So that that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, other than that, I feel like um, sometimes people just assume that you are not funny because you are female, um, especially you're female and Asian. Like, there's no way that you're going to be funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think like when I, if I go somewhere else, I didn't open, I one time I was in Vancouver doing an open mic night and then uh, the guy was very nice giving me a spot, but he was like, oh, you are Asian and you are female. Like, you can say whatever you want. No one's going to be offended. And um and I can also, like, from the way that he talked about it, he just thought, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll give you that five minutes. You can just play around. Like, they would never, ex they don't. Didn't believe in you. They don't, yeah. But then the way that they do it is almost uh, insulting. It's, they are not. Patronizing you. Yeah, they feel like that you won't be any good anyway. So they're just being extremely kind to you. And I felt that kind of lack, uh, that they don't expect anything from you, Um in, mm. insult me somehow like mm. they will like if there's a male comic they will be like guessing whether he's good or he's not good like if you're mm. female they think oh that's she's just playing around just let mm. her do whatever she wants to do and I, and I and i don't like it <laughs> no but uh is it the different response like you mentioned that that you were talking about vaginas then mm. some some female do you get a re different response from women or, or do you notice that is there a different response uh, that you get as as a woman that you get from men versus women in the audience. Um, no, then I, no, I don't, I don't. People from different age group maybe. So depend on your topic, right? So if I talk about marriage or kids, of course, like people who are older might understand that a bit more, can identify with the situations. But I haven't found any difference between uh, men and women. Mm. Yeah, for for that no, I don't. I, no, no. Not for me. Not not for the things that I, I talked about normally. Mm. But it's it's tricky though. Like with the like for example with the Me Too that has you know 
kind of come into the Western cultures a lot and uh, uh, it has made has had an impact on on comedy both in a positive way. I mean, it, it obviously it's positive when someone is doing wrong and that is exposed or or or, or yeah that that we shine a light into some corner where we didn't see what was happening, but. But it also gives some sort of a censorship in 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 where you can can go with these things. I guess being a woman, you can now you are more free to 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 make to I don't know like a sexual joke oh, than, I, I, than a guy is. Or I don't know. I never feel like I'm restricted to mm. not make sexual jokes. But I yeah that they, and then i i can see um some women uh might not like it i can i i now i i said that there are no difference earlier uh so if i gonna say something slightly sexual or maybe vulgar i'm actually more worried about the female audience uh that they might not like it rather than the guys i wouldn't worry mm. about them but um sometimes i would be thinking like would she judge me because i just say that so i don't know whether if reflect on how i think about her or reflect how i think women should behave but i do have a little bit of that i mm. think i would be worried that she would judge me uh, not that she would but i would be thinking that she might mm. yeah. why do you think that is oh i don't know i think i'm not mature enough <laughs> i don't know mm. i i i'm still worried um i'm I actually don't know. I don't know why I think that, but I have that. Maybe I think women might get offended about these things. I think they... Uh, More they, easier. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But how is it like you... You uh, Do you have to be funny all the time? I mean, like now, you're a, to a lot of people, you're a stand-up comedian. Do, do, do then people come with this expectation that you're supposed to be making them laugh all the time? Yeah, maybe they do, but I can't. I mean, I'm not funny when I'm. <laughs> I don't even like on stage. I would like. Uh, I would do my set, which I have planned, and I want to do it. Uh, I but I'm not uh, funny all the time. It's tiring mm. to be like thinking about funny things to say all the time. Like uh, it doesn't happen mm. all the time with your friends. Maybe like uh, if you are like uh, in a bar or something. Of course, then you will be like trying to be witty all the time. Then uh, when you're on form, then you're really funny. But it doesn't. Um, it doesn't happen all the time. I but think it, people think that, but but they expect you to be, or or uh, do you feel that pressure somehow? Yeah, some. I feel that pressure only among comedians. Like um, mm -hmm. if you are going to do a show, and you arrive there, a um, uh, number of comedians are there chatting, uh, like uh, making fun of each other. You feel like you need to join in and be as witty as them because it's like there's an expectation they're just showing off like they i, I think sometimes it's a little bit like that and i i i i, I can do it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense though when you when you're saying it you know like you get five six comedians then they they all need to kind of play off each other and try to yeah they have that in the mm -hmm. in the green room i have seen it several times but normally i just can't i just don't have the energy now to do this uh, mm. I, I don't know whether male comedians do it more, but there are so many more male comedians. So even if yeah. they are doing it, doesn't mean that male will do it more. Just that they're. But are women number. coming more in now? I mean, are, are, there's I see, I've seen it here. I feel that there are more women getting into this now than when it, when when I noticed that the scene was starting here. Yeah, is I, that uh, a global thing or or? 
Yeah, well, they're, they're all, well, in Singapore, there are fewer, well, I think most places you have fewer female comics than male comics. And of course, it's starting to uh, getting more. Because the more female comics you have, the more female comics do you encourage to join the scene. So mm. uh, it is indeed a case, which is a very good thing. Mm. Is there some something that you, like, you would never joke about? So, something that is totally off limits for you? Yeah, handicapped people. Uh huh. I I think you just can't. And why do you think is that something that you take with you? Because other comedians make fun of of handicapped people, and and is that something that you have from your childhood upbringing or background or? I yeah I I don't know. I think you can, but it is indeed. Uh, I I have a sister who's mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know whether that's related to that. But I I. I really find it you cannot make fun of handicapped people. Mm -hmm. I, I I can I cannot do this. Um, I, I'm very open-minded when I listen to a joke. So if someone makes fun of handicapped people, I is is fine. But I I just I myself cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And it's very I don't want to do it in such a way that uh, can be misunderstood. Because um, so I I would not make. It's not of course you never make fun of handicapped people, but I wouldn't even make joke uh, that can. Be interpreted. Uh, yeah, it can be interpreted in different ways. So I, I, mm. I, I think when I, uh, I, I, some some topics are very heavy, and I feel like uh, it's very difficult uh, to laugh about it. And for me, uh, handicap uh, people is a topic such so heavy uh, that I cannot have a, in my mind. I cannot even think about it to mm. make jokes on it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I guess, like you're saying, I mean, if it's also close to you somehow, then you 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 know in real, you know, it's you know the reality of it somehow. It could be. I have never mm. linked to that, like, mm. but I just I just won't. I can talk mm. about like uh, beating up kids and stuff. So it's not like I yeah. don't touch any sensitive topic. But for uh, handicapped people, I just mm. feel like I, I cannot do this. Yeah. So you have two boys, eight and eleven, right? Yeah, a, a girl and a boy. The boy is eleven, uh -huh. and the boy, uh, the girl is eight years old. Yeah. Um, do they find you funny? No, kids are very different. Mm. <laughs> uh, so none of my jokes would be funny uh, to them. Uh, I'm not sure how to entertain them. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they. I think they laugh at different things at this stage. Yeah. And having written a set that that would be catered uh, to their sense of humor. And they're not ashamed of, of this either. I mean, it's not like, you know, because at, at least at a certain age, what you think that your parents is the most embarrassing thing in the world, uh, they're not, not, not there yet. <laughs> not yet. They're just amused. They don't really know what it is to do stand-up comedy. So my mm. son will be saying, oh, my mommy uh, does comedy. And then they will laugh because they don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't think they are ashamed. Uh, not yet. <laughs> but <if> <laughs> they don't know what I'm talking about. If they no, <laughs> but that's the thing. When they will, will that you know? Would you censor censor yourself if they were, in, let's say, if, if they are like 15 and and 18, and they come to your show? Yeah, oh, I, I. Uh, you I haven't thought this far. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not very Chinese. I can no. do. Yeah. Uh, well, that mm, I, now I'm a little bit worried. So sometimes I will talk about my kids and uh, funny things that they do but now they are bigger i'm i'm feeling that maybe i shouldn't talk about 
them anymore in the sense that in case some of their friends or Gives somehow, it, yeah. yeah, then it would be embarrassing for them. So I have a little bit of that fear. But on the other hand, I also feel like, I, I why? Like, uh, why does it matter? Um, mm. How can they not be strong enough to take a joke while all the other people have to be? Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of uh, split between that. So, so I, at the moment, I'm still making uh, fun of them, but I am sometimes feeling a little bit guilty about it. So I'm not completely sure where I stand in mm. this. Let, well, let's not let them hear this podcast though then they, they know what you're thinking yes um, but uh, um, how is it like in, in Olomouc because I mean you you lived in global cities where you have this huge diverse populations and, and all of them are yeah I mean Amsterdam, Vancouver I mean, both of those cities and definitely Singapore and Hong Kong are like and, and you were in Australia as well right yeah it was this, Melbourne for a little bit yeah, yeah. These are all melting pots, like of multicultural melting pots, and then you end up in Olomouc. Um, do they really want where to know where Olomouc is now? No, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a, I, I've been there actually. I was okay. Um, I mean, and then we you when we here we are in the Czech Republic where there there's a huge population or a, a, of of Vietnamese people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely economically involved. Mm-hmm. When you came to almost, but they, did they think you were Vietnamese? Oh, I think everyone thinks I'm Vietnamese. Uh-huh. Uh, like if I go to the Vietnamese market, uh, they would just start speaking to me in Vietnamese, and then I would reply in English because uh, I also can't speak Czech. Uh, so I, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And in Olomouc, because it's a small town, um, you do find sometimes with the older people, especially they will stare at you. And they, they stare in the funniest way, like very obviously. So I will be sitting on the tram stop waiting for a tram. They will stand right in front of me and stare at me. Mm-hmm. But they have never harmed me in any way. They mm-hmm. are just curious. Yeah. But they would look at you. Um, so I find that a little bit uh, strange. As for myself, that's okay. But if I'm standing with my kid and they stare at me, I get very angry. Mm-hmm. If for myself, I don't really care. Like you can stare all you want, but mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to stare at my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is not acceptable. Mm. Uh, and I think I don't know whether I'm overreacting. So there's a supermarket supermarket that I go to, and the first time I went there, uh, they have a kind of like a security guard thing uh, person inside yeah. standing there, right? So they. Uh, I, I don't know what his job would be, actually, whether he's supposed to help people to find stuff or just, like, there, make sure people yeah, don't steal. Yeah, or he's supposed to make you feel silly that you're being stared at. That's <laughs> their job, I think. I see, I, like, they normally don't go anywhere. Mm. They just stand at the door, right? Mm. But at that time, the first time when I went to that supermarket, he just actually followed me around. Yeah. I was thinking he might want to help me to get stuff because... Clearly, I don't look like I'm, uh, I'm local, but then he hasn't really offered any help the whole time, mm. right? And I, uh, at some point, I realized that maybe he was worried that I would steal things because mm. I, um, I don't look like I don't look local or mm. for whatever reason. Yeah, but this happens to me also. But I think it's because I look poor, oh. so they fo- <laughs> they follow me around. No, I'm seriously. I mean, and I go to the same supermarket here on the street, just 50 meters from the studio. I go there three times a week, and the security guys has been following me there for three years. <laughs> but I know it's just because I look poor, so so okay. he just thinks that I must be there to steal. It, it could be the same reason for yeah. me. I, I I actually try to dress better, and now I dress up for the supermarket. <laughs> but how is it to, like, so so you, you come from a, 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 a big cities, big culture, big population. You move to a small town with your husband who comes from a village of 300 people yeah. before. 
So, how is your household? I mean, do you do you do you have some Chinese traditions that you brought with you into this family, or or, or and he has some Czech, or is is it a melting pot? Is it a is it a tiny little Singapore there or Hong Kong? <laughs> We have, uh, yeah, we have, uh, we have soy sauce and uh, sesame <laughs> oil and chili oil. Fish and, uh, sauce. <laughs> yeah, fish sauce, like glutinous rice, all these Chinese things. And we also have a lot of gherkins and jam in the pantry. Like, yeah. uh, so we have, uh, we have all types of things. Um, because my husband also have lived in Asia for, for a long time. So he's yeah. also into uh, Asian stuff. So mm. yeah, our household like kind of weird you have chinese character in different places but you also have uh, a buddha somewhere and you have cross because he's catholic and we have a jar of uh, <laughs> holy water that someone gave him so everything's everywhere mm -hmm. we have all types of stuff in the house mm -hmm. and and what's the what is the biggest difference like if you if you would take like a, how a chinese person would raise their family or kids Versus a Czech person. What, what's the, where's the biggest contrast that you have felt like? I mean, I know in your case, he's of course lived in a lot of different places, so he's maybe not like the that typical, typical. local person. But mm -hmm. um, my husband like to explain everything to the kids in the sense that if uh, they ask question anything, uh, mm -hmm. then then he will just explain it. And you just want to say shut up. <laughs> not always but but sometimes i feel like like this thing you don't have to know yet i feel like i don't have to explain it yet just like when you're older like maybe like mm -hmm. my husband would not uh, wait till they're older like if they ask now now is a good time <laughs> uh -huh. then he will just explain it i think that's quite brave and sometimes i just can i can think of a good way of explaining it so like um my kids will ask about like babies and uh, ba where babies come from they always like to, my husband will explain everything very clearly and mm. now now i'm like oh good question go ask your daddy <laughs> 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 he is gonna explain it, and <laughs> let me see how he explains it. <laughs> I um so something like that. He yeah. like to explain everything. He um they also like to uh, talk a lot, and I'm not. I don't know. I I don't really talk so much. Uh, mm. I I don't. I can't find things to talk about. Like my husband is for his family. It's common. Like my husband would uh, call his parents, and they would talk for a long time, right? Like maybe for like one hour. Sometimes they just keep talking about this relative and that relative. What happened? I call my mom. I hardly can sustain a five minutes conversation. Then I'll be like, okay, I'll call you some other time. I'll just like point the camera at the kid, let them see the kid a little bit, and then I would hang up. I don't really know what to. I don't have much to say either. But it's an interesting thing because you choose to, to work your linguistic <laughs> yeah. and then you go on stage. Yeah, I know. This, um, I feel completely fine on stage, but I, I don't always have stuff to talk about. And I can't really, I, I don't know, I just don't have anything to say sometimes. I find it very difficult. Mm. You're happy in all the modes. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, mm. I'm okay. I'm surviving. Logi like when you have kids, everything is just logistics. I think logistically, mm. it works perfectly. Mm. <laughs> we walk to school, we walk to work, so everything's fine. Mm. I would like to do more comedy because um, I feel like everything is so far away. But other than that, uh, I'm happy. Yeah. But do you think you would ever go back to live in Hong Kong? We were planning early on. Uh, I think two years ago, we were thinking maybe, well, actually four years ago, before we moved here, we were thinking either move to Czech or Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. uh, but then at the end, we, we came to Czech. 
I think now it's a little bit harder. The situation in Hong Kong is a little bit uh, uncertain at the moment. So uh, many of my friends are actually leaving, slightly worried about the change that they can't quite predict how it's going to be like. So I don't think uh, at this moment we are planning to mm-hmm. go go back to Hong Kong, which is. But it would be an option if everything was, you um, know, normal and and so on. I mean, you're not you're not you're not going to necessarily live in Olomouc until you die. Die, yeah. Uh, <laughs> depends on when I die, but <laughs> that's not no. the plan. <laughs> no. Uh, I also not not the plan. I don't. I I really don't plan as, <laughs> as much as you no. think I plan. <laughs> no. uh, I, I think at the moment it seems fine, but I think when you have kids, it's harder to move, right? Before I'm thinking, I just move if I want to. If we get a job elsewhere, we'll move, right? But when you have kids go to school, they have friends. It's mm. very, it's very difficult. They have roots. Yeah. When I moved to Macau in Hong Kong, I remember feeling very sad. Uh, when I moved to Hong Kong, mm. because I was just 12 years old, I know that I won't be able to go back to see my friends independently. Yeah, I w- this is something that I can only do uh, with my parents, and that make you feel very, very uh, helpless. Mm. I, I I think kids have that yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We moved when I was a kid. It wasn't. It was, but I, actually, then when we had moved, it turned out to be easier than I thought it was because you know, of course, there were new friends and exciting things in the new place. But um, um, so you obviously during the COVID, a lot of of the comedy and and these performances went online, but but still not as much as you were doing before. So everything is starting again now. I mean, yeah. Uh, I hope so, but I, I I don't know what happened later. At the moment, it is. Mm. So I'm slightly worried. In a few months, we'll close down everything again, and there will mm. be nothing mm-hmm. uh, for a while. But I, I viruses. It was interesting when I was reading up on on Hong Kong. I mean, like uh, Hong Kong had the swine flu and also the 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 um, um, what is it called the bird flu, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And I was curious because on Friday I went to a bar here in, in out, or outdoor pub and, and then there, there was this group of Asian tourists walking by and they they were all wearing double masks out under fresh air. And I was thinking, okay, there must be something that, you know, Asia like thing. that they bring with them, you know, like in, in terms of experiences that, that makes them do this in, in a country where, you know, 0.17% of those tested are positive and, and we're testing a lot of people here. So, and then when I was preparing to meet with you, I, I was reading a little bit about Hong Kong and, and, and then I realized, yeah, they had these two epidemics actually that had a, and they had a major impact. So, do you think that you look at COVID differently or, or do you know what I mean? Do you, or Asia mm. or people that ha- come from there, do they look differently at this? Yeah, I think um, I think here people are a little bit, uh, well, I can say less careful uh, or more laissez-faire in some way because uh, in Hong Kong, even before COVID, like if you have a cold or something, then you wear a mask mm-hmm. when you go outside. When you go uh, into the train, you wear a mask. So it's normal to see people wearing masks in different places, even before COVID in Hong Kong because people do that because of the previous experiences. And here people don't uh, do it so much. Uh, but and you think about Hong Kong, because the housing is so tight and um, s- such high density, uh, you really have to be extremely careful. You mm. don't have it here, where people basically are touching each other's shoulders when you will be in the train. It's mm. just really, really crowded. And mm. there are people sharing rooms, sharing table. Like you, you, you can't afford 
to to have that mm. uh, spread, spread this easier, fairly quickly. Easier, yeah. yeah, you don't have the space. So mm. I think people also are aware of that. So they always have spray to clean their hands. They always wear the mask. Um, Mm. And uh, I don't know whether Asian people are somehow more health conscious. That would be one of the yeah. stereotypes that yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. say. But but uh, I think practically they uh, they do uh, they are more careful. Mm. Yeah. And they are also yeah, as you're saying. I mean, they're least they're more populate, populated. Yeah, and, yeah. and intensity is higher. So I mean, it's a it's a more natural thing for them to that something like this can actually go really bad. Yeah, well, mm. we were very worried early on because in Hong Kong, it really, everyone close to each other. Like, mm. how can, how bad would that be if it starts spreading? It somehow seems to be fine. And mm. also the case that people are normally, a lot of cases, they are very willing to wear masks. Mm. Not sure that's related, but it's yeah. good that it's not spreading there. Yeah. Um, what, what's, what's, I want. I want to tell people who are listening. Where where can they follow you? Uh, you, you have a Facebook page, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, just Joanna Seal Comedy. I'm yeah, and I will put the links to the episode description on 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 Spotify and everywhere. And uh, well, you have something some something in the working. You're working on something, some bigger projects, or you do comedy workshops and stuff like that. Are you going to write a book? Are you going to make a movie? <laughs> What's going on? I don't think I'm going to uh, make a movie, but I do uh, want to write uh, a book and I will have a, a new show, I hope, with the, with the, if the COVID uh, is going to be okay, then we can have live comedy again. I probably will have another show, a new one-hour show. Mm. One-hour show? Uh, yeah, I want to do that's a new a long, comedy. Like uh, for an hour? Yeah, I have one before, uh, wow, but then I, I thought it's about time to have another one because it'll be a long time. One hour show is like 30% of my podcast, you know, like my <laughs> three hour episodes, <laughs> but a little bit more funny. But uh, and and uh, so there's the Facebook page. Yeah. And then uh, also Instagram, but I, I, um, I, I don't update it often, okay. but it's just Joanna Steele. So okay. you can also follow me on that. Um, and do you have anything on YouTube? I mean, can people check out some? Uh, do you have videos there? Or yeah, or? I have. Uh, I have some short uh, videos there, so uh, okay. you can definitely check them out. Okay. They are they are old clips, but um, it okay. can be fun. Yeah, yeah, but guys, definitely recommend. I, I uh, Joanna is, is very funny, and I'm not saying this just because she is here, but uh, I, well, that's the reason why she is here because <laughs> she was she was very, when I saw her, she was very funny and and uh, she made made a lot of of. of funny jokes about herself and, and, and so on, which I really, really liked. Um, yeah, uh, guys, follow the, the show. There's a Facebook page called The Bunker How the Hell Did We End Up Here. There's Bunker Prague on Instagram and the, the YouTube channel The Bunker How the Hell Did We End Up Here for amazing cinematography with pictures of me and the guests. Um, follow the show, subscribe, review, tell everyone you know about this and yeah Joanna thank you for your time yeah thank you and have a really good trip back home to Olomouc yes okay bye